the text for this morning's service is taken from Ezekiel 34, verses 23 and 24. At least that will be the main concentration on this morning, putting it within the context of that whole chapter. Let's read those verses once again. I will place over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will tend them. He will tend them and be their shepherd. I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David will be prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. After the sermon, we will sing from Psalm 95 to stanzas 1, 2, and 3. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, that includes you, boys and girls, what picture comes to your mind when you think of sheep and their shepherds? It's one of peace, isn't it? When we think of sheep, we picture them contently grazing in the meadow, oblivious to any kinds of danger. Sheep make us things, think pleasant thoughts, peaceful thoughts. When parents put their children to rest, then often they sing to them or speak to them about sheep. The Dutch sometimes sing the lullaby, Slaap, kindje slaap, daar buiten loopt een schaap. Sleep, little child, sleep, outside there is a sheep. And English parents often sing the hymn, Loving Shepherd of Thy Sheep, All Thy Lambs in Safety Keep. Sheep especially conjure up images of sweetness, of softness, of tenderness, and of helplessness. And shepherds, well, they are the good souls who look after the sheep and who protect them. The reality, however, is that with sheep and their shepherds, things are not always peaceful. They also live in a sinful world. Consequently, there are all kinds of things that hurt the sheep. Things that the sheep do to themselves or that the shepherds do to them because they do not care enough about the sheep. The passage that we read together in the book of Ezekiel also deals with sheep and shepherds. Of course, Ezekiel is not speaking about actual sheep. No, he's speaking about people. And that is also made clear in that passage. For people are like sheep. They also hurt themselves and they also hurt each other. They do stupid things and they do selfish things. And so do the shepherds who are also people that are over them. In this passage of Ezekiel, the shepherds referred to are especially the kings, the nobles, and the heads of tribes. Together with the sheep, they cause all kinds of trouble. They do awful things, and consequently the people feel oppressed, they feel like exploited, they feel unappreciated. They are in a state of despair. And Ezekiel therefore is seeking peace. He is seeking for that time when all the sheep will actually happily graze together. He is looking forward to the time when the people will be led by a really good shepherd, by a shepherd that can do no wrong. 
by a shepherd that will give them everlasting peace. And now in our text he comes with a word of comfort. He tells the people that real peace will actually come, for he tells the people that the good shepherd is coming. And that's also the theme for this morning. The good shepherd is coming. First we will see in whose place he comes, secondly for whom he comes, and finally in whom that is fulfilled. Ezekiel lived during a very sad period of Israel's history. He, together with his fellow Jews, had been exiled to Babylon by Nebuchadnezzar. While there in that foreign country, he received the call to become a prophet. For the Jews in exile, it was a time of reflection. It was a time at looking at what had gone wrong. Why did God remove them from the promised land, from Israel, from the land that had been promised to them? What happened? What went wrong? And what is the future going to hold? Here we live in this foreign country. And the people are in despair. And this is where Ezekiel comes in. He had to pass on to God's people to tell them exactly what had happened, but also what is going to happen. And so what happened? Well, what were the things that went wrong and that caused God's people to remove from the promised land? What did the shepherds do and what did the sheep do? Well, in the first place, there was corruption from the top. Ezekiel has in mind, in the first place, the kings of Israel, who were also called shepherds. That is, for example, what David was called in the last part of Psalm 78, and that's why we sang that as well this morning. And the Lord says there in that psalm, He chose David his servant and took him from the sheep pens, from tending the sheep, he brought him to be the shepherd of his people, Jacob, of Israel, his inheritance. And David acted, indeed, as a shepherd should, by and large. He truly cared for God's people. He fed them good food, for he came to them with God's word. And he had compassion on the people, and he had their welfare in mind. But it was not always the case with his successes. As a matter of fact, most of David's successes were not like that. In referring to shepherds, Ezekiel had in mind especially the last major kings of Judah, Jehoiakim and Zedekiah. He holds them responsible for the deportation that happened in 597 before Christ. What did those shepherds do? Well, Ezekiel tells us, in the first place, those kings exploited the people shamelessly. That's what it says in verse 2 and 3. It speaks there about the shepherds of Israel who only take care of themselves. They did not care about God's word and were not interested in doing God's will. They clothed themselves with the wool of the sheep and slaughtered the choice animals, but they didn't take care of the flock. These kings were in it for themselves only. They sacrificed the sheep for their own selfish ends. 
They were concerned only about their own welfare at the expense of their subjects. They exploited them to the fullest, taxing them as much as they could and not meeting out justice in the land. They did not care about the poor or the weak. As long as they could maintain their opulent lifestyle and their position of prestige, they did not care what happened about the rest. And that is terrible, especially considering that these things have been appointed by God. They were anointed by God himself to rule his people. And yet they caused the people great pain. They did not protect them. It says in verse 4 that those kings ruled harshly and brutally. It was the very thing that God warned Israel against when they wanted to have a king set over them. He warned them that kings exploit the people. We see that nowadays as well, especially in societies where you have dictators in charge. Think about a country such as South Korea. How the people are exploited by ruthless leaders. And there are many other countries in the world that that happened. And that happened also at that time in Israel. And that started already at the very beginning of the monarchy. No doubt you remember who Rehoam was. He was the grandson of David. And he did not listen to the advisors of his father Solomon, and instead he put a heavy yoke of taxation and a lot of work on the people. Rehoboam was out to make a name for himself. And he had very ambitious plans which could be realized only if the people would bring the sacrifice. And the people complained. They rebelled and in the end walked away from him. There you see a first strike, as you see nowadays as well. It also says in verse 6 that the kings allowed Israel to be scattered. Ezekiel is especially referring here to the recent exile. The kings did not care enough about God's people to protect them from the foreign nations. They were interested only in their own hide. They were interested in maintaining their own position. And so they looked to man to rescue them. Those kings, they looked in the wrong direction for help and they switched allegiances from one powerful nation to another. And in the end, they lost. They lost their kingdom. And so the people became scattered. The foreigners came and took them away from their own country. It is no wonder that these false shepherds needed to be replaced. They weren't shepherds, but they were wolves in false clothing, in sheep's clothing. But the criticism was not only for the shepherds, the kings. Ezekiel also criticized the sheep themselves, the people. He speaks in verse 18 about those who feed on the good pasture and who trample the rest with their feet. And in verse 21, about those sheep who shove with flank and shoulder, butting all the weak sheep with their horns until they have driven them away. In other words, he is speaking about those sheep who trample all over the others in order to get what they want. He refers to those people who have the biggest mouths and who make the least contribution. It applies to those who seek praise for themselves and who mostly care about their own reputation. 
He is speaking about those sheep who abuse others and yet who piously draw attention to themselves by pretending that they are full of zeal for the Lord. And many people fall for people like that. And yet such people are false shepherds and disobedient sheep. Well, says Ezekiel, the Lord God will place over them a real shepherd. He will place over them his servant David. He will tend them and be their shepherd. We all know who that shepherd is, of course. It could not be David himself, for he had been dead already hundreds of years. No, it is the one whom they had been waiting for, the Messiah. Ezekiel is looking forward to the anointed one from the Lord. He is ultimately looking forward to the Lord Jesus Christ. And he is also teaching the people here to look forward to him. He is teaching them to look to God, for only God can give them the good shepherd. Only he can truly satisfy them. For what is this shepherd going to do? He is going to replace all the false shepherds. And he is going to replace all the disobedient sheep. All those who have been exploited and maltreated and abused will receive the perfect shepherd. Brings us to our second point. The text says that the one shepherd, his servant David, will come and tend them. He will take care of God's people. For he is going to judge between the one sheep and the other, between the rams and the goats, as it says in verse 17. That is to say, God is going to remove the bad sheep and the bad shepherds and take care of the needy ones in the way that they ought to be taken care of. Why do they need to be taken care of? Well, because they were not fed. Because they were not cared for. Prior to the exile, the ruler of the nations no longer came to the people with God's word. And they did not rule in accordance with God's word either. For the Lord God had given these kings a special purpose. And they were to rule not for their own sakes, but for the Lord's sake. They were to show forth God's compassion and care In so doing, they had to point to the coming Messiah, to the one who would come from the line of David and who would rule forever and ever. Through their rule, they had to give the people a vision of God's greatness. But look at what happened. Here they are in a foreign nation where they are ridiculed and persecuted and maltreated in an even worse way than they were in their own land. The Babylonians laughed at the exiled Jews. They made fun of them and they're gone. Where is your God? They asked. Are you sure that he exists? How come he doesn't rescue you? How come there is no longer a king in your land? Indeed their situation seemed hopeless. There is no more a son of David on the throne. The shepherd is gone and the sheep have been scattered abroad to be devoured by wild animals. And therefore this message of Ezekiel is such a wonderful message. For he gives the people hope. The house of David has not disappeared, he says. No, on the contrary, someone wonderful and great is going to ascend the throne. A great shepherd from the house of David will rule once again. Oh, how those people needed to hear that message. 
For what is that great shepherd going to do? Well, it says in verse 12 that he will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on the day of clouds and darkness. He will bring them out from the nations and gather them from the countries and bring them back to their own land. And so this message was meant for the people of that day in the first place. Those who heard this message understood from these words that they would not be in exile forever. No, a remnant of them will be able to return to the promised land, back to Israel. They will once again be able to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem and the temple of God. Once again they will be able to go back to the land of their fathers and enjoy prosperity and well-being. And that was the immediate meaning. And that was very comforting. But it meant much more. It meant that God does not abandon his people ever. It meant deliverance not only from evil Babylon, but from evil itself. And that is much greater. And so God does not want you to look at your own current situation where you're in right now, but he wants you to look at your total situation. He does not just want you to look for immediate relief from discomfort and persecution, but he wants you to look for total relief. Whatever is bothering you now, you can bring that before the Lord. He is the good shepherd. It says in verse 14 that he will tend them in a good pasture and the mountain heights of Israel will be their grazing land. There they will lie down in good grazing land and there they will feel, feed in a rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. Most of the people here have been in the mountains. We only live a few hours away from them. Have you ever seen lush grazing grounds high up in the mountains? Not likely. On the mountain tops, it is barren. It is full of snow and ice. Very little grows there. That's also the way it is. It was on the mountains of Israel. They were also barren. If you want to have good grazing grounds, then you have to go into the valleys. That's where the temperature is warmer and the soil richer for grass to grow. But now the Lord God says that he will feed his people on the mountain tops. In other words, it is there on the mountaintops that they will have an abundance. How can he say that? Well, with the Lord you always have an abundance, no matter how barren things may seem. And that is the promise that he makes, not just to those exiles, but also to you and to me. With the Lord God, there is always abundance, even when the terrain is difficult, and even when the land is barren. We don't always see it that way, do we? We do not always like our own situation. Like the exiles during the time of Ezekiel, often we feel that God does not look very well after us. He gives us the mountains to climb, and he gives us poor grazing grounds, so it seems. For he does not give us what we need, we think. Often it happens that we are anxious about our present situation. We look at the sinful and hostile world in which we live and we are afraid, afraid for ourselves and our children and for the future of the church. 
Is God going to look after us? And we also look at our personal situation, at our health and our financial predicament. And we would love to have it better, better health, more financial security. And we do not like to think about our own impending death or the impending death of a loved one. Even though we know it's going to happen, we are afraid, and we are afraid for our present situation. And the same thing applies to our situation in the church. There are lots of things that we think could improve. The pickings are slim, also in the church. The preaching should be better. The elders could do a better job. They have to be more watchful. And the people could be more caring. Nobody visits me. Nobody cares for me. And indeed, brothers and sisters, there are lots of things that happen also in this congregation that shouldn't happen. We are not always peaceful sheep. And sometimes we also push and shove others and stand over others in judgment. I sometimes hear horror stories about that, even this morning again, how some people treat others with disdain and lack of respect. Yet the Lord God says that he will send to his people his servant David and that he will tend them. He will lead them to the mountain tops there where there is abundance. That is, they say, he will give his sheep everything that they need. And so ultimately we have to go to that great shepherd. For only there can you find true peace. God's people, you and I, we have to be thankful. For the reality is that we receive in abundance. And we have to be thankful that the word is preached from this pulpit every Sunday, twice even. We have to be thankful that we can serve God in freedom. And above all, we have to be thankful that he gives us eternal life. For we are all miserable sinners. We have to be thankful that God comes to us with the riches of his word. God also provides for his sheep physically. Doesn't he take care of you and me in a most wonderful way? And therefore be thankful for the gift that you have now. Don't grumble. We may not grumble about our health or about the deterioration of our bodies. God does not give and have measures. No, he gives you in such a way that you will not be in want. Even in the midst of miserable circumstances, even in the midst of terrible health, God gives you everything that you need because he gives you life, life with him. And that will never end. Brothers and sisters, you and I, we are so limited in our vision. We look around us and from there we determine our current position. God, however, has us fix our gaze on the mountains. That is where we must look. For that is where God says he will feed us. That's hard for us to do. For the way to the mountaintops is hard, and the landscape is bare. We also have a hard time understanding that there on those barren tops is where we have to look for something good to eat. Indeed, because of our sinful nature, we do not want to look in those places that God wants us to look. We would rather go to the world. 
We would rather go along with the world and take all of their pleasures. Even though God gives us many things to enjoy here on earth, we want more. For we think that the way to the top of the mountain is too steep and it takes too much effort. It takes too much effort to be a believer in the midst of this world. And so we compromise and we nibble on things that we shouldn't. But that is where God leads you to the mountaintops. He leads you out of your present situation to up there, to the Lord God, with whom alone good food is found. The good shepherd leads you on that narrow path. And he does not want you to stray from that path. He does not want you to be a stubborn sheep who wants to go his own way. No, God wants to lead you to that place where there is abundance. Sometimes the way there is hard, and it goes against our natural instincts to make the effort. It goes against our nature, for example, to leave what we have here behind, and to go there where God leads us. But that's what he wants. Is that also what you want? During this Advent season, we are looking forward to the celebration celebrating the fact that the Good Shepherd has come. And no doubt you are aware of this prophecy that it is fulfilled in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. For that is what the Lord Jesus calls himself in John 10 verse 11. He says there, I am the Good Shepherd. Indeed, a better shepherd you could never find. That brings us to our third point. For look at the way that the Good Shepherd fulfilled his task. When he was on earth, he had great compassion on all the poor and the weak and the needy. He went to the tax collectors, to the lame, to the poor, to those who are demon-possessed. He also sought after lost sheep. He was an example to us in that regard. And as you will hear again this afternoon, we have to be like him in that regard. How well do you look after the sheep, the weak ones, those who are on the periphery? Do you take care of them? For our Lord Jesus, he went after all those, even the false shepherds, and, and those people that the false shepherds pushed aside. During the Lord Jesus' time, the Pharisees and the scribes were false shepherds. They shoved with flank and shoulder, butting all the weak sheep with their horns until they drove them away. The Lord Jesus Christ replaces those kinds of shepherds. He rejects them, for they do not reflect a great shepherd. The Lord Jesus loved his sheep so much that he even laid down his life for his sheep. And that is, no, that is something that no other shepherd before him had ever done, nor will ever be able to do again. His sacrifice was sufficient. What he did was enough for all men, for all time. And now everyone who believes has all the benefits of that great shepherd. Nothing and no one can take away from us what he has done and what he will do. But now we also have to do what he has done in our own weak and feeble way. 
For the Lord God still appoints under-shepherds to take care of his flock. They do not replace him, for no one can, but they do represent him. At least that's what they're supposed to do. He says to the Ephesian elders in Acts 20, verse 28, Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit make you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. What applied to the Old Testament shepherds applies also today to all those who have to take care of God's flock. They must be shepherds in the way that Christ was. Today it also happens that those whom God appoints to take care of his flock look after their own interests first before looking at the interests of others. There are also those in the ministry who are in it in order to enrich themselves or in order to elevate themselves. They are in the ministry in order to seek the praise of men. And they do not really look after the weak sheep. They go after those who are rich and those who are influential and they neglect the poor and the needy and they push and they shove in order to get their own way. The Lord says in 1 Peter 5, Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not greedy for money, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but by being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. Every minister of the word, and that includes me, must watch out that he reflects the great shepherd in the things that he does and say. For that great shepherd is going to come again. He is going to come a second time to judge between the rams and the goats, between the fat sheep and the lean sheep. He will reject those who enrich themselves at the expense of others. And the same thing goes for all of you sheep. For we are all shepherds in a sense. For the scriptures teach us to look after one another. Think about that, especially during this festive season. How do you look after the needs of others? God wants you and me to show forth his care and his compassion. He takes care of you and me so that we can also do that. Slop, can't you slop? Sleep, little child, sleep. Outside there is a sheep. A sheep that drinks contently. That sheep is you. You are a sheep at peace. Do you know why? Because you have a good shepherd to watch over you. You have a good shepherd to feed you and to care for you and who leads you high on the mountain tops where you will have abundance. And that good shepherd leads you to God. A child was born 2,000 years ago. The birth of that child is what we'll be celebrating in a few weeks. As a matter of fact, we celebrate that every Sunday. What a wonderful celebration of peace. What a wonderful celebration of the victory over Satan and evil. How blessed we are to be sheep of God's pasture. Amen.